0: with me to the gospel of John chapter 8, John chapter 8, and as you're going there, let's just uh, pray as we come, come to God's word. Lord, we just thank you this morning for your word. I pray, God, uh, we're going to read here in a moment, Jesus, that you're the light of the world. Pray that you bring light to our hearts and to our minds this morning bring clarity, uh, bring light into the dark areas of our life. Jesus, we just open our hearts to you and ask that you'd speak by your spirit, Lord, that you bless this time in the word of God, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Cool, so uh, verse, verse 12 says this. Let's just jump right back in where we left off last Sunday in John chapter eight. It says in verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, it's funny if you like, if you just like go out on the street and you begin to pull people or you begin to talk to people and you ask them, Hey, what did Jesus teach? What, what kind what what did Jesus teach about? Um, You know, most people would tell you this. I, I, I bet like, 99% 99% of the conversations would go to the fact that Jesus uh, taught us how to lovingly act towards other people. How to, treat, how to treat others that we should love them. That's what he taught. But it's interesting, like, if you actually consider what Jesus taught and what was the primary theme of his teaching, what was the focus of his teaching? It was actually this, himself. He taught mostly about himself about his nature about his character about his identity that was the foremost subject of his own teaching to talk about himself like think about that that's kind of interesting in fact in John chapter 8 we're not going to make it you know as I was studying this week I thought yeah we're going to get to the end of this chapter not happening so we're going to lay up at verse 30 this morning but in John chapter 8 from verse 13 on, Jesus uses the words, I, me, and my, 85 times. He's the subject with regards to what he is talking about. That's that's the primary focus of his teaching for those that heard him, but not only for those that heard him, for those who 2,000 years can open 2000 years later, can open up the Bible and, and read the scriptures and read the accounts of the gospel. The primary subject is Jesus. And the claims that he made regarding himself, like if, if you stop and think about the claims that, that, that Jesus made, they are, they, are, they are so incredible that if, if you were to make the decision or come to the conclusion that Jesus was simply this, that he was just simply a good moral teacher. If that's like all he is, then the things that he actually said are like crazy. They're insane. They're, they're, they're unbelievable. And so the thing that you have to do with Jesus is take a close, close look at the words that he taught. The claims that he made are, are extraordinary. He said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. He claimed that he could keep you out of darkness. If you followed him out of moral darkness. He claimed that he could give life forever to those who follow him. He claimed to be God. So like, if you just take those things at face value and you think about a human being, you're like, it's insane. It's crazy. He had to, it's, it's totally ludicrous to claim such things unless he's speaking the truth. Unless he spoke the truth and then all these claims that he made are nuts. And so, the question for me is when I, when I think about this, and well, it's the question the Pharisees had is this. It's like, well, how do you know Jesus is speaking the truth? That, that's a good question. How do you know he's speaking the truth? Because all of us have those times where you're like in conversations with people and they tell you something and you know they're telling you the truth. And then you have other conversations and you talk with people and they tell you something and you're like, something tells me this isn't true. I'm not thinking about any of you telling those stories. Hopefully you're not thinking of me telling those stories. But you go, you know, something's off here. Something isn't right. And so it's interesting. It's like, how is we as human beings say, you know, I heard this and it's true. And I heard this and something's off. It's not, it's not true. Well, Jesus said, yeah, like what's the difference between accepting someone's word or rejecting someone's word? And Jesus said this. He said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said this. Look at verse 13. So the Pharisees told him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. They heard what Jesus said said, they heard his claim that he was the light of the world and they said, you're not telling the truth. You ever said that to someone? You're not telling the truth. Typically a parent says that to their kids at some point and some time. You're not telling the truth. You're, Jesus, they said to Jesus, you are making a claim that no one else is saying about you. You got no witness? How do we, what proof do you have? You, you just can't go around making statements like that, Jesus. That's nuts. To say you're the light of the world. Follow me. You'll never be in darkness. There's no evidence. And there is no witness. To substantiate what you've said. So your testimony Jesus. Is not true. And so Jesus answered them. In verse 14. Even if I do bear witness. About myself. My testimony. Is true. For I know where I came from. And where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Do you remember that game, Balderdash? How many of you guys have played Balderdash? That's it? I thought there'd be more people that have played the game of Balderdash. Balderdash. We used to play that a lot with my family when I was growing up. When we were on holidays, we would go skiing with a bunch of families on spring break. And in the evening, there would always be a game of Balderdash with about 20 people. And it was just so fun. If you've played it, you know how the game works. But if you haven't played it, let me me explain the game a little bit to you. Everyone would do this. A card would be drawn from a deck and it would have like some obscure word that you've never heard of. But it's in the dictionary. And... You wouldn't be given the definition for this word. The, the object of the game was this. Is that you would write your own definition for the word. And everyone in the room would write a definition for that word. And then they would all go into a pile. With the correct definition. It would be read out. And then you would vote. On what you thought was the correct definition. So if you got it right. You got a point. But if you could suck other people. Into believing your definitions right. Then you get points. And it, it's like a fun game. So, so everybody's. Writing these definitions, they're being read out loud, including, including the right one. And, and if you get it correct, you score points. And it's a funny game because you can write like the most ridiculous things, right? Like just crazy, stupid stuff. Um, and the key to the game is this. That your definition should sound like it makes sense. Like you got to talk like you know what you're talking about. So that everyone say, yeah, that, yeah I could see that. I'm voting for that one. You have to define the word like you're an expert. And you know, you can do that. If you've ever been around people that it's like, it doesn't matter what you talk about, it seems like, man, this person like knows what they're talking about. I'm like uninformed on this subject. They're like going on about this and I'm like, they know more than I do. Have you ever been around people like that? I have one friend in mind who I'm like, man, whenever they talk, they're like an expert on whatever they're talking about. And the truth of the matter is, is, I don't know if they're telling me the truth or whether they're feeding me a story. Because they're so confident in the way that they speak about what they know. I'm like, oh, I guess it sounds true. Do you know what I'm talking about? They obviously know more about the subject that I do. And, and I'm uninformed. And the reality is, I don't know whether they're telling me the truth or not. And... And when you're in that spot, you're actually in this position. You can't tell whether there's truth or not being spoken because you're uninformed about the subject. You don't have enough information. So the Pharisees said this to Jesus They said, You're not telling the truth. And his answer was this You don't know whether I'm telling the truth or not. Because I'm the expert, not you. You don't have enough information. He says to them, let me tell you the first thing you don't know. You told me I'm not telling the truth. Let me tell you what you don't know. You don't know where I come from. You don't know where I'm going. But I know where I come from. I know where I'm going. So the reality is, is you are unable to judge whether I'm speaking the truth or not. Because you don't have the information that I do. In other words, you're, you're not in the position to say what I what I say is true or false because you don't have the knowledge to make a proper judgment. You're judging, he says, in a human way. You're judging in a human way about something you have no knowledge of. It's interesting, you know, people make judgments about Jesus all the time, right? It's like, like I said, you could go out on the street and ask about, G- what did Jesus teach about? Who is Jesus? You know, unbelievers spiritual Especially do this with Jesus. Not very many people say, well, you know, I don't know. I don't have enough information about Jesus to make a proper judgment. No, everybody makes a judgment about him. And the tendency is to to make a judgment while being uninformed. Well, he's a, yeah, he taught you to love people. And he's a great teacher. So, And, and that's the conclusion of whatever they believe in. The tendency is just to be unformed and to have little knowledge. And the fact is is that unbelievers don't have the knowledge to know whether Jesus is speaking the truth or not. Listen to that. Unbelievers actually do not have the knowledge to know whether Jesus is speaking the truth or not. The fact is they cannot recognize truth when it's spoken... When it's told to them because they don't have enough information. And so to be able to make a proper judgment about Jesus. You need information. You need knowledge. You need understanding. You have to study his life. You you have to examine his teaching. You have to look at the things that he did and the record of his life. You can't just say he's this or that without studying the man. Without getting some knowledge. And if you judge Jesus without doing so, Jesus says you're judging in a human way because you don't know enough. It's balderdash. Jesus. I just write my own definition in there. It's just a game of balderdash, and you're voting for your own definition that you made up. And so Jesus tells him the first thing you need if you're going to make proper judgment about me is you need. Knowledge. You need knowledge so that you can recognize the truth. You're going to have to get some knowledge if you're going to say whether what I say is true or not true. The second thing he tells him is this, is you, you also need some... He said, you don't have a witness. He said, I do have a witness. That's the other thing that's helpful to determine whether someone is telling the truth or not. And whether you should accept their word or... Or not is really dependent upon if there's a witness. Can someone else testify that what this person is saying they've seen or heard or done or whatever it is. Can they testify with evidence that they're speaking the truth. And so Jesus said I'm going to tell you. That I have expert knowledge about myself. Which you don't have. I'm an expert about myself. That's Jesus. Jesus. And I also have a witness. Look at verse 17. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself and the father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. So Jesus tells them, he, he's, he says to them, I'm an expert regarding myself. I, I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. And my father knows where I came from. And my father knows where I'm going. He's my witness. So they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, and he answered and he said, This, well, there's, there's a problem with my witness. Here's the problem with my witness. You don't know me, and you don't know my witness. You don't know my father. I have a witness, but you don't know him. And you don't know me, so you're not, because you don't know me, you're not in position to, to lit, listen to the witness. And so it's no wonder they don't believe him. Like, you know, I, I, when I was studying this, I'm like, man, you know, on one level, I got to give these guys a little bit of credit here. They didn't know Jesus well enough to know whether he was speaking the truth or not, and they didn't know the father Well enough to listen to him. Of course we know this. The father was always giving testimony to the person and the character and the nature and the work of Jesus. You know what is baptism? Of course that's the one we obviously think about. When Jesus was baptized he went down into the Jordan River. And when he came up out of the waters. The spirit, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of the dove and rested upon him doesn't tell us that the spirit left him, but rested upon him. And a voice spoke from heaven and the father said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Father gave testimony, witness to the son. That also happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter and John and Andrew were there. And a voice spoke from heaven as they saw it. Moses and Elijah there with Jesus, the Father spoke from heaven, and the Father said, This is my son, listen to him. Father gave testimony to Jesus. Another time when Jesus made his way into the temple on the day of the triumphal entry, in front of the crowd, he spoke out to the Lord. He said, This John chapter 12 tells us the story, verse 27. Jesus said in front of the crowd at the temple. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father glorify your name. And John tells us then a voice came from heaven. And said I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. And the crowd stood there and heard it. And they said that it thundered. And others said, an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered, this voice has come come for your sake, not mine. So the father was testifying to the nature and the work and the character and the identity of Jesus. And so it's interesting when we say, well, is Jesus telling the truth? Was he telling the truth when he said, I am the light of the world? Two reasons why people might dismiss the claim of Jesus. Number one. They don't know him well enough. They don't have enough information to make a proper judgment. And number two, they don't know the father to listen to his testimony. And so, you know, I would say this to you. If you don't know Jesus, if you want to know who he is, then you need to open up the Bible. You need to read the word of God. You need to turn to the pages of the gospel and ask the Lord, say, Lord, if Jesus is real, if Jesus is who he claimed to be, then I, then I pray you'd open up my heart. And you'd open up my mind to, to see it. To see and to hear the Father. And, and you know what? I'll tell you this. If you do that, as you read the Bible, God will witness to you. He will tell your spirit what you're reading is true. It's truth. It's correct. The claims of Jesus are right. You can trust Jesus. You know, that's how people come to Faith. Someone tells you about Jesus and then with an open heart, an open mind, you look into it and you discover for yourself, it's true. It's real. It's true. It's true to me. Maybe, you know, it was your parents who told you about Jesus. Maybe you heard about Jesus in kids' place. Or maybe it was a youth pastor. Or whoever it was, someone told you and then God sent the witness of his spirit and you discovered for yourself what Jesus said is true. The father testified to you. Jesus is truth. And and I guess this is where you could say this, no one's argued into the kingdom. Did you know that? No one has argued into the kingdom. As much as we love apologetics and we love to argue and defend the faith, the faith, a relationship with Jesus is not about an argument that is to be won. Do you know what it is? It's a gospel to be proclaimed. Not an argument to be won, but a gospel to be proclaimed. Because there is power in the message of the gospel. And if you don't know Jesus, here's the truth. If you don't know Jesus, here's the truth. I can't prove Jesus to you. Like standing here this morning, my goal is not to argue you into the kingdom. I can't prove Jesus to you. Firstly, you don't know enough. You don't know enough to make a proper decision. The information you have is only enough to make a human judgment. And the other thing is, is if you don't know Jesus, you don't, You don't know the other witness. And so I can tell you, I can tell you about Jesus, and I can tell you the message of the gospel, but you're going to need to go and look into Jesus for yourself. You're going to have to go and do your own search. Not online, you know, Google, who's Jesus? I wouldn't do that. I don't know what you're going to get if you do something like that. You got to go here and search. Jesus, who are you? Who are you? Read the gospel of John. Accept that Jesus came from God. Accept that he said, I, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. He came from God and he was returning to God. And if you accept that, then just make a judgment. Tell me. Is it true or not true? Well, what did they say to him? Look again at verse 19. They said this, where is your father? That was meant to be an insult, by the way. That's like a slag, right? Like you remember the schoolyard when you really wanted to. My dad could beat up your dad. Remember that one? It was meant to be an insult. In that culture, it's, it's no different from our own. If you want to insult someone, you take a shot at their father. Happy Father's Day. You take a shot at their dad. And you question, do you even have a dad? Do you know where you come from? You illegitimate child. That's what they're doing. Jesus, who, where is your father? There's rumors about you and your birth. And Jesus said to them, if you knew my father, you'd listen to me. Look at verse 20. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Verse 21. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, said, Will he kill himself since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? And here's, an, here's another way to determine whether someone is speaking the truth or not. What is the consequence of their words? What is the consequence of what they say? You know, for years I worked in, the, in logging and maintenance out in the house sound. And I, like, trained dozens of people in maintenance on our log sort. And I would tell them all sorts of things about the dangers of the job. Like, don't ever stand behind here and go pee because <laughs> the machine will come and crush you. Don't put your head under here. Don't ever reach your arm into here. I don't want you to be maimed. There's like dangers everywhere. And if you don't keep your wits about you at all times, something's going to run you over or crush you or fall on you. You got to have your wits about you. When I was a kid, my mom said to me, don't put your fingers in the socket. I never had to tell my kids that. For some reason, my mom had to tell me that. I didn't think she was telling the truth. So I put my fingers in the socket and then I found out she was telling the truth. I remember we got a new couch. My dad said, don't jump on that couch. I didn't think he was telling the truth. Then I found out the consequence of the fact that he was telling the truth. Or I remember I built this jump with my bicycle on my street. I built this big jump and, and my friend, it's actually big Greg. He's not here this morning. Greg said, I wouldn't do that. I don't think that's safe. You shouldn't go off that jump. I said, Greg, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know my bicycle skills. And then when I picked my bloody self out, off the pavement, I realized Greg was right. Sometimes the consequence reveals the truth is being spoken. You smoke cigarettes, the danger is they're going to kill you. And Jesus told the Pharisees that there was a consequence for not believing his word. It meant the ultimate price. Death. He said to them the consequence of saying Jesus you're not speaking the truth was eternal separation. He said I'm going to go to a place and you will not be able to come where I am. The Jews actually said this. They're like is he going to kill himself? Like is he going to commit suicide? Why would he say, where I am going, you cannot come? If they thought that's what he was talking about, killing himself. Where is he possibly going that we cannot follow him? So he said to them, verse 23, he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he you will die in your sins. So Jesus tells him this. Look at here's why you can't go. Here's why there's a consequence for you. I belong to heaven, he told them. And you you belong to the earth. We belong to two different places. I belong to heaven and you belong to earth and I'm going to go to heaven and you're not going to be joining me when I go to heaven. Unless you believe the words I say. Unless you believe that I am who I claim to be. I mean it's like he's saying this. You you think that you can get to heaven by rejecting my truth? You don't belong there. So you won't get where I am going unless you believe in me. He literally says unless you believe that I am you will die in your sins. You know, many people just assume they're going to heaven, right? It's like you go out there, you have those conversations. People assume they're going. You go, well, I have the right. I'm like a good person. I'm like not as bad as other people. I'm moral. I'm religious. I'm this. I'm that. And they assume they're, they're going and, and probably it's like other bad people that are going to be excluded. Like really bad people. But that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus taught this. People don't belong in heaven. They don't have the right to go there. It's just like I can't cross into the US anymore without my Canadian passport. I can't just if I drive up to that border they're going to reject me just like they will at any other country because I don't have a right. I'm not a citizen. I can't enter that country. And guess what? There's no universal right to heaven. The only hope is that you believe in Jesus. And his warning is, if you don't, it's fatal for you. The consequence is that you will die in your sin. He says, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. That's an amazing verse. Look at verse 24. It's going to come up on the screen for you, actually, too. I want you to see this because... In, in the Greek text of the New Testament, verse 24, it's also the same in verse 28, and you'll see this in verse 59 as well, which we're not going to get to this morning. See that there? I italicize the word he, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. In the Septuagint, the, the Greek the Greek, old te- uh, the Greek New Testament, we, s- we see that um, the third person personal pronoun he is not in the original language. They actually translate that into English uh, to help the reading of it. But, you know, some Bibles actually italicize the word he. Like if I don't know what translation you're holding, but your Bible might have the word he italicized because it's added in there. Bugs me. I love the ESV, but it bugs me they didn't italicize this. I don't know why they didn't do that. They should have italicized it. Because it's not actually there. When Jesus said this, the reality is this, he he used the phrase I am, which is pretty familiar to us. If you've kicked around the church, he was making the claim to absolute timeless existence that he was Yahweh. I am. We know that that is the name of God that is re- that that by which he revealed himself to Moses. I am who I am, the great I am. That's how Yahweh identified himself. And this is how Jesus claimed to be God. Unless you believe that I am you won't come where I am going. And you know this wasn't missed. The Jews did not miss this. You know, we miss this. They didn't miss it. In fact, the whole tone of this chapter begins to change and pivot and it gets more intense as this chapter goes, as Jesus continues to press this point. Look at verse 25. I'll read 24 one more time. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. So look at verse 25. What did they say? So they said to him, Who are you? Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just as I've been telling you from the beginning, I've much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them. When you have lifted up the son of man. Then you will know that I am. Once again. That's the the verse right there. You might want to circle the word he. In your Bible. In verse 24. and verse 28. And Mark. It's not there in the original language. Third person. Personal program. A pronoun. He he said. he, He said the phrase I am. Then you will know. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father has taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. I love that. You know, following verse 24, when he says, Unless you believe that I am, they said, who are you? And he said to them, I'm exactly who I've been claiming to be all along, who I've been claiming to be from the beginning. I am exactly who I've been telling you that I am. And in fact, he says, there's actually much more I want to tell you. There's much more I need to judge the words said, I declare to you, they're from the father and what I have heard from him and I always do what pleases my father. But it wasn't registering. John tells us they didn't even understand that he was speaking to them about the father. So Jesus told them something prophetically. He said when this happens, when this specific, Situation, instance, work happens, you can look at it and you will know and it will tell you that I am who I claim to be. That I am speaking the truth. He said, He said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. He says, One day you're going to lift me up. We know what he's referring to, right? The cross. And he says, when you lift me up, if you will look at the cross, you will see that I do nothing of my own authority. Nothing for selfish reasons. I do nothing for myself. I do only what the Father tells me to do. And you'll see that I am who I am and that the Father has sent me to you. You'll see that I am who I am and that the Father has sent me to you. You know, if you wonder who Jesus is, if you wonder whether Jesus is the son of God, if you wonder whether Jesus is God, then I want to tell you what Jesus said to do. Look at the cross. Examine the cross. Look at Jesus on the cross. Why was he there? Why did he hang there? You know what the cross, the gospels tell us there was a Roman centurion standing there. He was was standing guard at the foot of the cross. And when he witnessed Jesus on the cross and he saw all that, that happened, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. He looked at the cross and it helped him identify that Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be. The son of God. And Jesus said to this crowd, I've spoken to you, and I tell you that I am. I am. And the final confrontation that will happen, that will declare to you that I'm speaking the truth to you, will be when you hang me on the cross, you will know I am. That's amazing. To stop and think about that, to consider Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues and there were many nations represented there because it was the Feast of Pentecost and the people that heard uh, the followers of Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues said man these people are drunk. And Acts tells us that Peter got up he addressed the crowd and he, he preached the message of the cross. He said Jesus Whom you crucified is Savior and Lord. And what happened on that day? How many got saved? We know this church. 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. Through the preaching of the death, burial, and resurrection, the nature of Jesus, the person of Jesus was revealed because the cross tells the truth. The cross tells us that the words of Jesus, that the claims of Jesus are true. This text, you know, the question I asked when we got into it was this. How do you know when someone speaks the truth? How do you know? Well, Jesus said, when I speak, the cross tells the truth. The cross tells the truth. The cross reveals his identity. I can invite the worship team to come on up here.